Welcome back to the Umarpreneur Live podcast. And you know, I'm very excited today, guys, because I have a guest with me that I've been trying to get on this podcast for quite a while. And um, Nashal, I'm really excited that, you know, we finally were able to make this happen, Sister Nazima. So thank you for joining me today. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad our timing finally worked out. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Definitely. I'm super excited for this. And just for our guests who don't know about you. So Sister Nazima, she's the co-founder of the Healthy, the Healthy Muslim. And essentially, this is actually something she does with her husband, Bilal Hafiz. And Sister Nazima is a registered dietitian and nutritionist. And she has a master's of public health, which is amazing, mashallah. And her business provides life-changing online programs to clients worldwide. And her husband, as well as a personal trainer and fitness expert. So together, they join forces to really help Muslims get healthy and take charge and ownership of their health and lifestyle. So I'm excited to talk about all of this today, talk about, you know, your journey starting as a as a coach online and, you know, helping people uh, with their health and being a nutritionist and all of this exciting stuff. And, you know, also from an entrepreneurship standpoint, just what it's like to be an entrepreneur and especially in the modern day and age where everything is very much online and, you know, you have to help people and transform lives, but it's kind of like at a distance, right? So how do we make that happen? So before we dive into that conversation, I want to know, I want to rewind a little bit and I want to start right at the beginning. If you can share with me, what was the journey that you went through or what kind of experience did you perhaps go through that inspired you? to become an entrepreneur, to start an online business? Uh, wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, well, I guess in terms of kind of going back to my educational background, um, so I did study to become a registered dietitian and nutritionist. Um, and so that included four years of an undergraduate degree, um, two years of a master's, a six-hour exam to be able to call myself a registered dietitian. Um, and a lot of times people, especially because I find, especially in the online world, uh, the like nutrition is very oversaturated. And so a lot of times anyone kind of pops up and is like, oh, I'm a nutrition expert. But, um, you know, there was kind of that that piece that kind of went in. Um, and um, so what, while I was while I was kind of going through my educational background, one thing that I did really notice was the lack of cultural, um, the cultural aspect in nutrition, right? So there was nutrition was very kind of widespread, um, you know, online, um, social media, but there was a, a missing piece of the, the cultural aspect. And so with that, um, you know, what I really wanted to do was kind of address that. So take kind of the scientific, the expertise that I have, but apply it through a, a cultural nutritional lens. Um, and so that's kind of what kind of birthed, well, the Healthy Muslims is relatively new, but at that time, um, it was Nutrition by Nazima. And so with my my Instagram, Nutrition by Naz, that's kind of where I started. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the the birth of kind of, you know, my my desire. What, what made you go for, you know, having your own business as a nutritionist versus, you know, working in a clinic or, you know, uh, one of those, you know, let's say health and wellness centers where they have, you know, physiotherapists, nutritionists and kind of everything under one roof. But you decided to go on your own and, and, and build your own business. And was that was that the first were you working before in, in a specific, uh, you know, business or institution or did you right away from the get go just decide I want to do this on my own? So uh, actually, I guess you could say it was right away. So actually, while I was doing my master's, I was actually pregnant with my first daughter. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was what, seven, like eight years ago, when I started seven years ago, I was pregnant finishing up my last year. Uh, and so while I and so I was she was like three months old when I was doing that six hour exam. Uh, so once I completed that, I was at home with her. And so in between diaper changes, when she'd be napping, 
I'd go online and I'd like write a blog post or, you know, obviously like social media has changed so much even yeah. over the past few years. So back then it was like blog post, um, you know, Instagram kind of post picture. And so I would, I would post things there. Uh, and so I slowly started gaining traction. I've always had this, uh, this, this dream of mine. Um, and as well as my husband, we always had this dream to, to kind of create this online business. Um, however, it was like, it's a scary thought, right? Especially yeah. for both of us to kind of, a lot of times you'll have one person that's kind of, you know, doing the nine to five thing. And the other person is like, all right, I'm going to do the entrepreneurial thing. Correct. But once we had our daughter, that was actually kind of what ignited the fire where we're like, why would we like, why should we wait? Let's start now. So that by the time she's, and, and in my head, it was like, oh, five years old, um, that's five years. Uh, by then we'll have something, you know, really sustainable versus we start when she's five, you know, and then it's just kind of like, we're always waiting for the perfect moment. So for us, mm -hmm. it just felt right um, to kind of dive right in. And honestly, there was really nothing that kind of addressed the need that we wanted to. And so that's mm -hmm. where we kind of started chipping away at that, at that dream. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad that you did go that route because a lot of people sometimes, you know, when they're considering entrepreneurship, they're kind of they kind of get scared. They're like, well, you know, I don't have, you know, experience in this field. I don't have maybe a degree in this field, even, or I don't have, you know, depending of course, on what you're doing, of course, if you're doing something that's related to health and wellness, preferably you have some sort of backing, um, educationally, but let's say, you know, you're still doing, let's say marketing. Uh, I did marketing. I didn't have any background in that. And a lot of people will think to themselves, well, I need to get some sort of degree. I need to get something. I need to work in a marketing agency before I can offer this as a service. But the truth is if you can help your clients get results, you have what it takes to make those transformations, then there really isn't anything stopping you between, you know, yourself right now where you are and starting a business and building the business of your dreams, inshallah. And you decided specifically to focus on helping Muslims, you know, with nutrition and to change their lifestyle and stay fit. And walk me through nutrition by now, my Naz. What is it specifically that you wanted to do within that business that, you know, other nutritionists in general didn't necessarily do, right? What was kind of your differentiating factor? That you had so so as i mentioned like the the cultural sensitivity piece was really missing right so when you think mm -hmm. about like healthy eating it's like oh a grilled chicken and salad right and so a lot mm -hmm. of people from different cultures don't necessarily resonate with that and so my biggest piece was okay how can we you know really focus on healthy eating without having to give up the foods you love without having right. to give up foods and flavors that you grew up on right because yeah. that's a huge piece um and so that's what i started doing i started off with you know, the flavors that I grew up on, um, and how can I make it healthier? Uh, mm -hmm. And so that's where I started getting a lot of people saying like, wow, like healthy eating can actually taste good. And healthy eating can actually look like something that I will enjoy and I can do with my family as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's amazing. I like that. It makes it more approachable. And you started this how many years ago exactly? Just to kind of get an idea for our guests here as so, well. So my daughter's like six, right? So let's say six. Yeah. So nutrition by Naz. And at that time, Bilal had his own separate. So we all, we both kind of started at the same time. He was doing fitness. I was doing nutrition. Mm -hmm. So six years. Um, and then the healthy Muslims is about two years old. All right. Amazing. Mashallah. I'm really excited to see where all of this goes with you guys, especially with the healthy Muslims and combining forces. That's, you know, because even when you see uh, within a lot of like health and wellness centers, they have that, right? They have like a trainer, they have like you know, a, th a massage therapist, chiropractor, all these things under one roof. So even, you know, being able to partner up with your husband or your spouse and to say, Hey, let's part, let's bring it, let's bring our knowledge together and see what we can do to transform these lives is amazing. Mashallah. Um, so I want to ask you because we have a lot of listeners to this podcast, um, that are just starting off and, you know, that are going through those initial stages for you, having made that decision to move forward and become a nutritionist on your own, 
I'm sure there was a few challenges they had to go through initially um, when it comes to building your brand, getting clients, putting the word out. What was the most challenging obstacle you had to face as an entrepreneur in those initial stages? Um, challenging? I feel like it's, um, you know, the, the fine line of knowing if you should keep going or you should drop an idea. That's mm. a huge right? Because sometimes you're like really close or sometimes that idea needs to be dropped, right? So finding kind of that balance. Um, I think like before that also is kind of really perfecting your your craft and really becoming an expert in that area. And so that's something that, you know, Bilal and I, we spent years. So before we kind of went online, we made sure, okay, in we're able to um, really help people and, and kind of develop that expertise. Now, once that was there, okay, now taking that online, what does that look like? Um, so over the years, like now, Alhamdulillah, we've developed, you know, our the Healthy Muslims program, um, which is a premium program where we've had, you know, hundreds of, of um, members around the world that have gone through this program and have seen amazing results. And so now, and it's not just a matter of giving a workout program or giving, um, you know, a meal plan. It's kind of all of the pieces that work together with the program over the years, you know, both with Bilal and I, we've kind of figured out what are the pieces that work? What are the pieces that don't work and have been able to finally like craft this program that is really effective for our members. Um, and so I think at that time, it's, it's a lot of those kind of evaluation, like, um, you know, when you go, you go work for someone, there's a lot of regular evaluation that happens and you kind of pivot, but when you're on your own, it's really hard to have those conversations with yourself. Like, obviously I have, I have uh, my spouse and we kind of, but even with ourselves, it's really hard to be like, yeah, you know, this is not a good idea or we need to, we need to pivot. We need to change. So having that constant evaluation feedback, um, and also feedback from our members, right? Asking them, okay, what's working? What's not working? Um, it's all great to hear, oh, this, this, this is working. You're doing great. But it's like the difficult th- conversations is what's going to help us make be- get it better. So I think getting comfortable with with the the what's not working mm-hmm. is super important to, to definitely get better. Is there a process that you have in place to go through those tough moments? Because I know myself as well, a lot of times in business, you know, one things, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, we were talking about the initial stages and, and you mentioned that, right? Of, you know, how, that question of should I keep going or not? Full transparency, guys. I still experience this to this day right now. You know, sometimes it's just like, oh my God, this, the stress is really getting to me. Um, and, and, you know, like there's things are just feeling a little, very overwhelming. And sometimes I'm just like, should I go back and like, you know, just get a traditional job? I can clock out at five and watch Netflix and I don't need to worry about all this, <laughs> right? And it's very much not the lifestyle that I have now. Um, uh, but subhanAllah, you know, those, those moments do happen at the end of the day, what keeps me going, uh, for me at least is really just the mission behind what we're trying to do with entrepreneur. And I want to know for you, I mean, do you resonate with that or what is it specifically for you that you feel like if someone's going through those thoughts, what are the things they should consider? Yeah, I think it's definitely does go, go back to your why, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, at that time. So one is being critical and being able to kind of make adjustments. Um, so if it's more of the smaller, okay, day to day, um, the, the, one of the benefits is like Bilal and I have very different personalities and it's probably like the most, I, it, it can be kind of crazy, but at, at the same time, it's, it's very great. So like, for instance, when I'm like, I, there's a negative moment, I really, like, it really gets me down, but Bilal is able to kind of bring in a, a critical lens and be like, all right, like, what can we change? Um, but going back to like that, that why I think is super important. And for us, it was, there's a huge gap in the Muslim community in terms of health and fitness. Um, you know, there is a lot, there's so many people that come to us and they've tried so many different diets and have constantly failed. Um, and so when we have members that go through and, 
and and actually recently we reached out to a lot of our our members that we worked with you know over over the past couple of years and they were telling us like hey we're still working out we're still we're still you know following your recipes and and able to get back on track while they're on their own and those are such huge wins um and so those are kind of those those moments where we're like, all right, let's really capitalize on that. Like we know we're making a difference. So let's, let's keep going. Um, And definitely another reason why for us is a huge lifestyle aspect, right? So for when we see our kids and our family, we're able to, the impact it has on having a healthy lifestyle and we don't have to like sit there forcing our kids to eat vegetables. We don't have to, you know, they want to work out themselves. And so we're like, we want to help other families experience that as well. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful to hear, mashallah. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, that we can resonate on that level. And I think every person listening to this should really focus on really be, being clear on what that is before they start a business, because you are going to need to fall back to that in those moments where it becomes challenging, in those moments where things get tough. Now, as a nutritionist working with your clients, what would you say from, you know, yourself as, uh, as a coach, what would you say is the most important skill for a nutritionist to have when working with their clients, right? Let's say someone's listening to this or thinking of taking the same path, maybe studying nutrition, being a nutritionist. What is the most important skill for a nutritionist in your opinion? I would say the number one thing is understanding that nutrition is very personalized. Everyone wants mm-hmm. kind of what's the one food I can eat for the rest of my life that's going to solve all of my problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I o- often get messages like, oh, I have, or I have this, you know, type two diabetes, what should I eat? it's a process and it's personalized. Um, so it's, and it's also, it's, it's not just the what it's also the how, right? So a lot of times if you, you know, it's easy, like you, if you can go online right now and search up what foods should you eat for say type two diabetes or something. Right. But then it's, uh, okay, now how do you implement it into your life? Okay. You know, you're supposed to be eating X, Y, and Z. And so that's the piece that a lot of times people are missing. Um, and so that it's very important to figure out, okay, what it, and, and it's not the same across the board. Right. So there may be two different people with, um, you know, say weight loss goals, yeah. right. Their meal plans will look significantly different based on a, a number of factors. And so a lot of times where people fall into, um, you know, uh, issues is where it's, it's kind of that, um, standard, standard solution. And so you're not personalized, right. but that's probably the biggest, the biggest piece to, to remember. Definitely. That's some good advice. I'm, I'm appreciative of you for sharing that. And with your clients, when you're working with them, what have you seen to be, or what have you realized, I guess, across the board to be the biggest challenge that people face in general, when it comes to eating healthy, or even what would be the most common reason why your clients come to you, right? And maybe that's a great way for us to, people listening to this, if you have that issue, maybe we can make sure that they come and reach out to you. But what is the most common reason why people come to you and they seek your help? The the biggest problem across the board is that sustainability. Like they struggle with sticking to something for long enough. Mm. So, you you know, a lot of times people want to lose weight. That's probably the number one reason why people come to us. Um, but you've tried so many things and it's just like, it doesn't feel like something that can fit into your life. And so one thing that we do is we don't ask you to put your life on pause, right? People wait for, oh, I can't do this right now. I'm really busy. But, you know, maybe usually January is like the, the best time people start. But by the time it's like the second week of January, you've already given up because it's something that's not sustainable. And so one thing that we help our members with is figuring out a lifestyle that's going to be sustainable for you. So one number one is, of course, figuring out what's personalized to you, what's going to work for your lifestyle. Um, and then what's something that you can do not only six months from now, but a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, something that you can continue on. And so that is a huge piece that people struggle with, right? They've yeah. 
we, when we have members come to us, they've tried, you know, five, 10 different diets. They've tried, you know, those extreme um, fitness programs that are like guaranteed results, but it's really hard to stick to them. So our goal is to really help you, you know, figure out a program that's going to work for you, that you're going to enjoy doing, that doesn't feel like you have to, you know, give up life. Like you don't have to give up. If you love dessert, there's still a way to figure out how to incorporate desserts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to spend hours in the gym, right? If your goal is not to, you know, look like a bodybuilder, that's okay. But, you know, you still want to kind of incorporate fitness for reducing aches and pains, being stronger mm-hmm. overall. So those pieces, it's that lifestyle piece. What is something that you can do long term? Mm-hmm. I love that. And and how do you and Bilal, how do you guys help overcome that with your clients? You Do you offer some sort of accountability? Yeah, definitely. So once we, we first thing we do is we always start in an assessment because we want to, always want to get an idea of where, um, what the person's lifestyle is currently. And that's the biggest piece that will, that's really what kind of differentiates us and allows us to kind of create a personalized plan. So once we get an idea of kind of, you know, what your day to day looks like, whether, you know, you're working nine to five, whether you're a student, whether, you know, you have a family, right? Whatever the case may be. We actually work with a lot of couples too. Um, and we see amazing results because the whole family is on board, right? Rather than one person trying to do it on their own. So once we kind of do that, you know, you they get a personalized meal plan and workout program, but we're not just kind of just throwing it at them and telling them to figure it out on their own. We have consistent accountability. Um, each week we have group coaching calls. So we have members around the world um, where they kind of share their experience. A lot of times when you're kind of, you know, starting a healthy lifestyle, you don't have people around you in your own social circle that are, you know, eating healthier, exercising. So it's really difficult. So now it's nice to kind of be a part of a community. Um, and you have other people that are also going through um, a similar experience. We also have a lot of kind of touch points each week so that we can adjust as needed. That's another piece where it's like, just because you're eating something this week doesn't mean you have to eat that for the rest of your for your life, right? If you start a workout program, it should be progressing, it should be changing. And so that's something that we do, we kind of look at the feedback, how how well, you know, the member is kind of responding, and then we make adjustments throughout the program as well. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. And I'm, um, I'm really glad to hear that. Because I think, no matter what you're trying to do, you need some type of support and community, as you mentioned, and I can think of, you know, a hundred times myself, or I set myself a certain goal, um, fitness wise or nutrition wise. And as you mentioned, it's most of the time you're on your own, right? Even if you live in a household, you know, it's, it's hard to get your spouse, your family to all, all be on board at the same time. I mean, if you can, that's awesome. It hasn't happened to me before. Um, but then, you know, to then commit and you're on your own, I think that's where you really need that support and you need that accountability in that community. Right. And that's so, that is so important. It's so valuable. So I want to ask you because, Initially, you you used to uh, work s- solely on uh, being a nutritionist, as you mentioned, with your clients, but now you've incorporated working with your spouse. Now, does that mean that you've also incorporated workout programs uh, into uh, your offering or, you know, exercise or what is kind of like the new thing that people can expect from the healthy Muslims versus uh, what you used to do before? Yeah, for sure. So before it was um, primarily targeted towards women and I was only focusing on nutrition and Bilal was primarily working with men and only for focusing on fitness. And now it's like very obvious, like bring those two together. And so that's what we kind of did. Um, and so the birth of that was actually um, through the, the Healthy Ramadan Guide. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a physical book. Uh, we launched it 2020 uh, COVID year. <laughs> um, I actually remember when this came out, by the way. I remember yeah. seeing this on your Instagram. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So this is kind of what started the Healthy Muslims because there was a huge gap where like, okay, Let's focus on kind of that Ramadan aspect. Um, and so we launched um, the Healthy Ramadan Guide. And like there's, I think it's like th- it's reached 30 different countries worldwide. Um, sure. And so this incorporates both the nutrition and fitness. So this was like 
the how-to plan, you get this, you get the full meal plan, you get the full workout program, exactly what to do in Ramadan to have a more energized Ramadan. So we launched this and then that's kind of what where we launched the Healthy Muslims. And with the launch of that, we brought together the nutrition and fitness. Um, and then a lot of times what happens is when you go to someone, they're either the expert in nutrition and fitness is like, eh, right. And then, or they're the expert in fitness and then nutrition, they're giving um, very generic advice. And so that's where we've kind of brought together, you know, the expertise of both um, and been able to, so we work now we work with both men, women, couples, families as well. Amazing, mashallah. And, you know, I remember you releasing that guide and I remember actually seeing it on Instagram and seeing all the positive feedback that it was getting, which was amazing, mashallah. And I want to ask you, um, again, just kind of give some value for the entrepreneurs who are listening to this as well. How was it launching an ebook like this and launching, you know, a physical, you, this is an, were you shipping this physically to your customers or was this downloadable? Yeah, so this is not an ebook. This is like a physical copy. And so once again, the before this, for three years, we've had ebooks, like ebooks, mm. but the thing with eBooks is like you, you know, you download it and it sits in your, it sits in your computer and you don't actually like get to use it. So this, yeah. we wanted, um, the experience is kind of, you know, it's Ramadan and you guys like as a family, you open it up and you go through, you know, you go through the recipes, you go through kind of the workout programs. And that was kind of our goal with this. Uh, and so there was a lot of challenges with this because our goal was of course to have an in-person tour. We had everything mapped out and then COVID was like literally hit March, 2020. Right. And so, our thing was, I and I was like, no, abort mission, abort mission. And Bilal, of course, was like, no, let's let's continue. And actually, it worked out really well because that was the first lockdown Ramadan for many people. And so for many people, this was a huge highlight where they were able to, because there was no more social iftars. So every single iftar, there was people that made every single iftar from here. And then, you know, there was no gyms open. So this had the full kind of workout. And it actually so happened that we did like a no equipment workout for this. Um, and there's a mobility routine to kind of help with um, aches and pains during like long prayers. So this became kind of this, this household resource throughout the month of Ramadan. And we had such amazing feedback. And of course, the following year as well, alhamdulillah. Um, and so, yeah, we were physically shipping out these books um, during and that for the COVID time, like shipping times were like extremely delayed. So a lot of people didn't get the book on time. So we were shipping out, we were like emailing out parts of the book, like, all right, okay, first week, here you go. And we had a whole online support as well. Um, and so everyone who, who purchased this book was a part of the community, right? They, they had the online support. So they had questions about if you had a question, you know, a lot of times you're like reading a book and you're like, yeah, I have this question. So people were able to like ask that question. Um, okay. And so it was like this community, like everyone was going through and having iftars together, even though we're all in our own home. So it was actually a really great experience. That's amazing. I, I've never seen someone turn a book into a whole like experience with the community support and everything. So that was very genius of you to do that. And it actually goes to showcase your creativity. And that, you know, as a business owner, it's not only about limiting yourself to what other people are doing and what's already existing, but you came up with this new idea. Let's create a physical book, forget ebooks, and let's also provide that community support, which is the first time I hear about this. So this is actually really amazing, mashallah. It's beautiful and it's unique. And, you know, did you feel like, so since then, I know you, you mentioned this was kind of like the inception of the idea of bringing your forces together. So is that the reason or could the reason for that be that you feel like, a healthy diet and working out kind of go hand in hand, right? For someone listening to this, who's thinking, well, can a healthy diet replace, you know, working out? I don't really like to work out. I don't like to exercise. Can I just change the way that I eat? And, and is that going to be enough? Yeah. So the short answer is no, that is not, you can't do one or the other. You can't pick mm -hmm. one or the other. It's, it's really about that healthy lifestyle. And it's kind of the two pieces of the equation, right? The nutrition and fitness. And sometimes we do have people that 
they kind of have an idea. They're like, oh, I kind of work out. And and the biggest sign I'll say is when someone's like, I've been working out for this many months, but I haven't seen any results. And so it's like, okay, well, what's happening in the kitchen, right? Or someone's like, oh, I've been, I think I eat healthy, but I haven't seen any results. And it's like, they struggle with the fitness. So mm-hmm. both of these pieces come together. However, when you kind of think about both of these pieces coming together, it feels like it's going to take over your life. Oh my God, I have to think about every single thing I'm eating. I have to think about my workouts. Like it's very overwhelming. And so that's where we come in and we kind of help simplify it. All right. You know, we want you to continue on and, you know, overall you, you must have a pretty happy life and you're pretty happy with where you are. So now, okay, let's improve it. Let's add in that nutrition piece without having you stress about, Oh my God, what's my next meal. Um, Let's add in that fitness without you having to block off, you know, 20 hours a week. We don't need that much time. Um, And so that's where we kind of come in to kind of simplify it and put together both of those pieces. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Michelle. I love it. And you cater to both like people who are trying to lose weight or people who are trying to gain muscle, like do you specifically focus on a specific like demographic within the, uh, the fitness niche, right? Or is it any, any goal that you have, you'll adapt to it. So the great thing is because I'm a registered dietitian, I have the clinical experience. So I went through kind of all of the clinical training. Um, most people do come with weight loss, but we've had people that want to gain weight, um, muscle building, a lot of health concerns, right? So a lot of, you know, South Asian, Middle Eastern communities um, deal with a lot of common health concerns, type 2 diabetes, heart issues. Uh, and so I'm able to kind of use nutrition through a clinical aspect as well. We've had people that are on, you know, medication for type two diabetes within three months, their, their blood sugar levels are amazing. A lot of times, um, you know, you go to the doctor and they kind of, they, they read your blood report to you and they're like, all right, go lose weight, go eat healthy, but they haven't given the how. Um, and so that's where we've had a lot of members come to us and they're like, okay, this is what our, my doctor said. I have this much time to kind of make a, cha- a change. Um, I don't know. You actually only need three months to see a difference in, in those, um, those numbers. Cause it takes three months to kind of replace your, your red blood cells. So within three months, we've helped so many people through nutrition and fitness, uh, you know, see an improvement in their health as well. Alhamdulillah. What's the reason for that? Why, why do we have so many, as you mentioned, Middle Eastern, South, South, uh, South Asian people? Why, why, why do we all have diabetes and heart problems? Is it, is it the food? Is it the, we, I know we love sweets. I mean, Arabs, we, I come from a Lebanese family. I know that, you know, dessert is, is an obligation after every meal. Like that's well, so, when we get together at least, but yeah. So, yeah. That's, <laughs> so that's actually a huge misconception to blame the cultural food, right? Cause okay. we think, Oh, it's like these cultures. So it must be our food. So it's, the issue is not our food. One it's it's kind of just ethnically our genetic genetically we're we're more predisposed to it. So that's just, it has, it doesn't actually have to do, if you kind of go back, um, you know, into our cultures, it's pretty healthy. I feel like over time we've incorporated more like processed foods and not the healthiest way of eating. Right. Um, and so it's not actually our food. So it's more sometimes, uh, and then on top of kind of the culture. So it's just kind of ethnically, you're just predisposed to it. So regardless of you can eat as healthy as you want, you're predisposed to it. Number two is if you have a family member, who has, you know, let's say, let's use type two diabetes as an example. So if you have a a parent or grandparent, it increases your chances. So for instance, for me, I'm South Asian. So I have my increased risk. Number two, uh, I have a parent that has type two diabetes. So I'm at increased risk. So I could be eating super healthy and I'm still at increased risk, right? So it's, it's, it's before we even look at what you're eating. Now, what you're eating definitely makes a huge impact on kind of, are you actually going to get that type two diabetes, right? And so that's where it's more about the pattern of eating. It's not about giving up your cultural foods. That's the biggest misconception. It's not about never having dessert, right? It's about, okay, how can we fit it in? How can we, if you, you know, if you love your Middle Eastern foods, let's, you know, use those flavors and, you know, shift what, how your plate looks like. 
right now it's, you know, really overfilled with carbs. It's a lot of fat. Let's adjust that. Let's kind of make those changes. So you can continue to eat your Middle Eastern food for the rest of your life and be very healthy. But making those changes within kind of your cultural foods makes a huge difference. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And I, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense when you, when you put it that way. And I want to ask you this, and uh, just because I'm curious, have you ever gotten, because I have a parent with type 2 diabetes as well, I mean, like Graham Shifa, and Graham, your parents Shifa as well, and anyone who's suffering from that. Um, are there any warning signs? Like for me, how do I know like, oh, I might, like this might be manifesting in my life, you know, just like, is there any warning signs that I should be looking out for? Yeah. So when you get your blood work done from your doctor, um, mm -hmm. there's something called an A1C level. And so that slowly starts creeping up. And so a lot of times, sometimes, um, depending on where you are, the doctor will say you have prediabetes or, oh, your blood sugar is borderline, right? Like those are kind of the wordings. And so at that time, they won't give you any medication. They just kind of give you this warning sign and they give you very vague. They'll be like, oh yeah, like you can lose weight or you can, and sometimes you don't even have to lose weight. Like it's like, they just give, or just eat healthy, right? They, or mm -hmm. they just give very generic advice. And so at yeah. that time, if you make significant, you know, lifestyle changes through nutrition and fitness, you can see that number come down within three months. Um, the next is when those numbers are actually in the kind of that that red zone. Um, and the doctor will say, okay, let's see if you can manage it through lifestyle, through health, the nutrition and fitness. If you don't, then in three months, I'm going to prescribe you medication. So that's kind of the next next step. And then after that, honestly, even once you start medication, it's still not too late because with medication, you can still incorporate lifestyle, nutrition and fitness, right? make changes. I've um, helped a lot of clients decrease their medication or eliminate it. That's kind of the, the third step. The last step is once you've kind of been on that the insulin injections. And so a lot of times when people think of diabetes, they think of the insulin shots, right? So that's actually the last step. And then I'm talking about type two diabetes, which is kind of um, lifestyle onset versus type one diabetes is a different one where you're like younger children have it from from a younger age. So type two diabetes, the last stage is insulin. So that's when your body stops producing insulin. Um, and so that at that phase, you can still be healthier, where through um, nutrition and fitness, however, you, you will probably always have those those insulin injections. So at that point, it's kind of uh, hard to kind of eliminate the, the medication, but you can definitely manage. Mm -hmm. um, and the biggest thing is, a lot of times once someone gets, you know, type two diabetes, or, or an illness, a lot of times it feels like, Oh, my God, this is it, like, this is my life, I have this, you know, but you can actually live a very healthy lifestyle while being diagnosed with, you know, a lot of these health conditions as well. Correct, correct. I, I completely agree. And I think, as you mentioned, a lot of it is how you deal with it, right? Like you can, you can, you can tell yourself, well, Oh, I have this. And then that's just like, fix, not make any changes and continue to take those insulin shots every day. Or, or you can say, Okay, well, maybe I need to make a change. And then a lot of times, as you mentioned, you actually don't need to resort to medication when you have your lifestyle and your nutrition in check, you don't actually need to go resort to those insulin shots anymore, because your blood sugar levels are, you know, maintained because of what you're doing, your exercise, and your nutrition, everything else. Um, so actually, you know, within the same end of this conversation, and we're talking about health issues. Um, I recently, you know, th there's been a few Netflix documentaries, I'm sure a lot of listeners might have seen them. And, you know, they've, they've gone pretty popular. And there's a few that came out recently. There's one, uh, one not as recent called Cowspiracy. I'm sure you've heard of it or seen it maybe. Uh, and then there was the newest one most recently called Seaspiracy as well. So they call it that. Um, but check them out, guys. They're on Netflix. They're interesting. And, and when I watched them, they were really interesting because number one, well, with Cowspiracy, they, let's talk about that first. Um, they essentially 
really highlighted in the movie how all these, you know, health institutions, um, all these companies, right, the diabetes organization, everything else, you know, they promote foods that actually don't help people with diabetes. Like the, the nutrition programs they have, nutrition plans they have don't actually help with diabetes. They actually make it worse. Um, and specifically, they were talking about meat and promoting veganism. But I want to talk about that more along the lines of that. Do you think there's an issue with the information that we're given right now in terms of like just what's widely available to the public in nutrition and even just the foods that we have available in our grocery stores? What's your opinion on that? Well, here's the thing, nutrition, like information, especially when it comes to diet, nutrition, there's so much like you can find mm -hmm. whatever answer you want on Google, right? So if you want, if you want to lean towards, let's use a dairy example, pro dairy, you can find all the information you want. And then anti dairy, you can find all the information, right? Similar to being vegan versus not like, it's an overload of information. Mm -hmm. Right. And so sometimes people get so caught up in that where but then they're not actually implementing any change in their day to day. Right. right. Or sometimes they um, demonize a specific food. Right. Where they'll be like, oh, this is so bad. And then like, what about the rest of what you're eating? Like it's like it's a it's bigger picture. It's not just about demonizing one food. Also, when you kind of look at a lot of these documentaries, um, there's there's a lot of different aspects to it. Right. So one is, OK, are you is it the environmental aspect? Is it um, the nutrition aspect, right? And it, there's so many different aspects. So when you kind of make choices about how you want to eat, it depends on all of these things, like what is important to you. Um, once again, that this is all very overwhelming. And, and this is what prevents people from making change, right? And, and I'm talking about the average person, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are very passionate about these topics. Um, and so personally, I don't like, uh, like, you, you'll never see me being like, oh, never eat this food or never, you know, because it's a lot more complex than that. Now, I have clients that are that are dairy free. I have clients that do consume dairy, right? Once again, nutrition is personalized. So what may work for one person may not work for the other. Um, there's also, you know, the whole ethical conversation, right? So for someone, if, you know, ethically, they don't want to eat meat, um, that's okay, I can still I can definitely help you and, and kind of walk you through how to have a healthy diet with with, you know, following a vegan diet. Um, I've had clients that are vegan and are at the risk of developing type two diabetes, have high blood sugar levels. So just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're healthier, right? It's about how you're eating as well. I've had people that are not vegetarian and are extremely healthy, right? So it's a pretty complex topic. Um, and so I don't think there's there's not a black and white. And I, mm -hmm. I like to kind of focus on the more personalized usage. Okay, let's figure out um, if someone does not want to consume dairy, that's completely fine. We can figure out other alternatives. Um, I think it definitely works person to person, even, even within a household, you have different people consuming different things. At one point I was, um, I would say almost like 80% vegetarian. Like I was pretty vegetarian and it, I, it was amazing for me. It, it really helped me with my energy levels. At this point, I'm not, um, I, I, I mentioned, um, earlier before our conversation, I'm going, I recently had a child. And so, um, with that, I'm in kind of my postpartum period. And so, being vegetarian right now is not really serving me. So I've kind of definitely incorporated more, more meat products, um, I, actually more dairy as well. And so that's what's kind of helping me feel more energized. Um, later on, I may switch again, right? And that's another thing too. It's like how you're eating right now, you don't have to, you don't have to be married to it. It doesn't have to be like that forever. You can definitely make assessments almost like with Bilal and I, every six months, we're like, all right, we treat ourselves as clients and we're like, all right, what are our goals? What do we want to change, right? And so mm -hmm. we are always changing that. So it's so complex. And um, I don't like saying like, this is an evil food, or this is the perfect food that you need to consume. 
I like to take it case by case and with the individual and see what really works for that person. Yeah, definitely. And what's your opinion on the fact that, you know, within the same discussion, um, because, you know, when you look at, the, for example, uh, the Sunnah of the Prophet Wasallam and how he used to eat, um, you know, like one, one part of one part of uh, what I what I saw in that movie, which was interesting, which was just how like we have because of this overabundance of let's say for example meat right as, a, as an available diet is that sometimes we'll find ourselves eating meat you know sometimes every day right for weeks on end um but a lot of times it's as you mentioned it's not even about wh- whether it's black and white and it's like either i'm a vegan or i'm not and i eat this or i don't but it's just really about moderation and that mm-hmm. was the habit of the prophet Sallam, right which was that he ate meat but he ate meat like in moderation and exactly. rarely right um and i think once we follow the son of the prophet Sallam of eating uh, certain foods in moderation, that actually automatically immediately solves that problem uh, that people, you know, bring up is that we have this rich tradition. And if we followed his example, that solves the problem right away. Like the argument is nil. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's actually another thing that we we do as well as we look at, like, if you look at a lot of the Sunnah foods, mm-hmm. right, they're, they're fruits and vegetables and, and incorporating that. Um, also, there's a hadith, you know, fill, fill your vessels, which is our stomachs, yeah. one third food, one third water, one third air. Mm-hmm. And so that is a, a sign there that we shouldn't be over consuming our food, right? So yeah. all of these things, but then it's like, it's like the how. Now, how does it apply to your life? Um, how can we kind of, okay, let's take these Sunnah foods and how do we apply it in a sustainable way that we can do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so these are all the things, right? Like we, we need to figure out the system. Like, yes, we figured out, okay, this is one ingredient that I want to incorporate or I want to avoid. Okay, now how do I do, the, do this in a, in a long-term way that's going to, one, benefit my health and benefit my goals and kind of help me in the long-term as well? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, there is one thing that I want to that I want to ask you. If there's a you know maybe a fitness coach listening to this, or just an entrepreneur in general, let's go to entrepreneurship. But you know, if there's an entrepreneurship, an entrepreneur listening to this who's interested in coaching. What do you th- what What is it for you that you feel makes a good coach? So if someone's listening to this, like I'm thinking of starting, you know, as a coach, what can we give them as a tip? You know, one main piece of advice that we give to entrepreneurs who are thinking of starting as coaches, what's one thing that you should look out for to be the best coach that you can be to serve your clients and be successful, inshallah? Uh, so I would say the first thing is to really, you know, develop your expertise. Um, so especially even the nutrition and fitness area, you know, credible, being a credible expert, right? Getting, um, you know, certifications, continuing your education. A lot of times um, people just stop. Okay, I did one course. I'm the expert in nutrition. No, it's like, especially like, you know, the research is constantly evolving with nutrition and fitness. So we're constantly learning new stuff to figure out how to help, you know, turn around and help our clients. Um, The other piece is also, so not only, you know, um, with our nutrition and fitness area, but also with, with business, right? Like we're constantly learning um, areas. So when I went through my traditional schooling, I didn't learn much about business. So it was afterwards where we kind of went through, okay, let's, let's take different business courses and, and, you know, reach out, let's figure out what we need to do to create this online business. So that's a huge aspect as well. Um, And I would say constantly, you know, that feedback, getting that feedback um, from, from your own clients, as well as um, from yourself and kind of doing that evaluation in order to progress and really kind of create a program that works for your clients. At the end of the day, the goal is to help see success, right? And whatever that, what is the definition of success? So what are things that you need to implement in order for for your clients or your members to see that success? Definitely. That's a beautiful advice. And I completely agree. I think one, one trap that, you know, 
even not just entrepreneurs, but as human beings, we fall into is that we fall into this trap of like complacency where we feel like just because we achieved something or we learned something that that's it, we're good to go and we're set. And even a lot of times, especially with me, with a entrepreneur, I see that a lot where, you know, people are so hesitant to invest in, in, in conti- uh, what, what they call a continued learning, right? Like invest in more programs and courses and metrics. They feel like, oh, I've done my studies in a certain area. So that's it. I'm locked in for life and that's all I need to learn. And I'm done learning. But it's like, there's so much more to learn. There's so much more to constantly do and achieve. And, you know, subhanAllah, when you look at um, even our, our history, when we talk about, you know, our, our Islamic tradition is that we have been encouraged, you know, by the Prophet Sallallahu uh, to constantly seek and learn, right? To constantly seek new information and to learn and to continuously educate ourselves. Um, and this was actually a trait that has allowed the Muslim Ummah to reach its peak in the Islamic golden age where we were at the forefront Right, of science and technology and medicine and all these all these all these amazing fields. And you look at the history, you know, you're a nutritionist, you look at the history of medicine. We ran this series recently on our YouTube channel. It was like the Muslim pioneers. And we were looking at the history of uh of Muslim pioneers uh within the golden age or around that period, right? Who uh you know had amazing discoveries and, and people would essentially go to them when you even looked at other civilizations, they would go to them to get their information, right? To, to learn from, from these Muslims. And uh, even when you look in the, in the history of medicine, right? Uh, so for example, there was one, his name was Al-Zahrawi. He was uh, uh, known as the greatest surgeon of the Middle Ages. And, and he was actually the founder of like half of the tools that you're going to find in an operating room today, right? Um, and, you know, no one knows about him. No one knows his name, but these were all Muslims that were at the forefront of this. Uh, so really, I think a lot of times as well, and I, I love that you guys bring, you know, the Sunnah of the Prophet and the Sunnah foods into your programs as well. And I think that's one of one of the reasons why if someone's listening to this and they feel like, you know, what, I'm interested in getting my life in order where we've just started 2022. Uh, this is a new year now. I want to become healthy. I want to become fit. I either want to lose weight or build muscle or whatever it is I need to do. You have the opportunity here to join a program and be part of something where not only is it going to cater to your needs, but it's also going to reflect you know, our values and reflect our background as Muslims um, and, you know, our legacy. Uh, so that's a beautiful thing, mashallah. And um, I want to ask you one more question before we we dive into where people can go and sign up, right? Because I do want to make sure that they're able to do that. But this is a question that I ask every single guest on this podcast. And uh, the question is the following. If you could meet, you know, young, young Nazima from you know, a few years ago, I would say 18, she was 18. Let's say, let's put you at 18 years old. You know, young Nazima, she's 18 years old. She's about to go down this path of nutrition and then eventually build a business. Um, inshallah, build these programs and these amazing solutions and, and help her clients transform uh, in different ways. And you can tell her one thing that she could hold on to as she goes through this journey, right? It's something as a mantra or just something for her to remember that she could hold on to through this journey of ups and downs of entrepreneurship. It's a challenging journey. What would that one thing be for you? What would you tell her? Oh, wow. You're really thinking about it. <laughs> um, I think the one thing, well, for me, a huge part of my identity, and it actually didn't come up as much in this conversation, is being a mom. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I actually started this was so that I can spend time with my children. And so mm-hmm. you know, a huge aspect of our business, it revolves around prioritizing my children's life um and so sometimes especially like in this season of my life it takes it feels like things are going a lot slower right I can't I can't just power through and do an eight-hour workday right I I'm usually doing it snips and pieces between my my children's life and I'm so grateful that I'm able to do that um and so I guess 
young, I would, I would say the thing is the 18 year old me and 24 year old me was really different. Cause I, like, mm. I basically became a mom at 24. Right. So I would say 18 year old me had no idea what I was doing. Cause that's when I kind of started my undergrad. But when I became a mom, um, that was the biggest challenge for me because I was like, can I juggle the priorities of being a mom and a wife and entrepreneurship? Mm. Um, and so I think the, the, the young me, like I would tell myself, like, it's okay if it's going to take you a little longer, like take your time and, and don't forget your priorities. Cause that's the biggest thing. Like for me, I'm, you know, a wife and a mom first. Um, and then I'm Nazima Qureshi, the registered dietitian to the world. Right. Um, and so majority of my day is, is doing these, these very important, but unglamorous, unglamorous things that are to the world, which is just, you know, changing diapers or feeding my children or making sure they get to bed. Like that's my actual life. Um, and the nutrition part, even though it online, it seems like it's such a huge aspect. That's like when I get a chance, that's when once my kids have been, I homeschool my kids as well. Once my kids have been schooled, once my son is napping, then I can sit down and do this podcast with you for instance. That's why right. I took so many months out, right? So I feel like, you know, telling my younger self, I remember in those, the beginning when I started, it felt very challenging because it just felt like there was no traction. Like, is this even worth it? But you know, telling myself like it's it's going to take time, and holding on to those priorities and values is is my strength, and that's what's going to kind of help me be um, successful in the long term as well. Inshallah. Well, I, I'm really happy that I asked you that question and that we got that information out of you because I, you know, some of our listeners who don't know about you might not even know, and they might be in the same position. They might be moms, they might be wives, um, or they might be dads as well, right? And and they might be in a position where they're like, hey, I want to be with my family. And um, I don't know if I can juggle this. And I really appreciate you sharing that because that's one thing that I've noticed as well on my end, uh, which is really this year I've realized that I was always in a rush. Like I was always in a, when I, when I first started my business, um, I was very much in a rush. Mm -hmm. uh, I was always in a rush that like I want to hit, you know, you, you see all these people around you. Um, oh, I hit my, I made my first mill in, 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 in my first year. I made this and I hit that milestone and this milestone and, and you see this and you're like, okay, I think that's, that's going to be me for sure. So, <laughs> and then you move forward and you build and you're like, oh, wait, I'm not even close. What's happening. Um, and what you realize is that really number one, a lot of things out of your control. All the only thing that is within your control is how much effort you can put in and can you do your best? Yeah. And it, as long as you're, do, you're doing your best and you're really, you know, putting a sincere effort and, and you have that, you know, pure intention to serve and to do your best and bring your best for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that's really all that you can do. And at the end of the day, you have to give yourself some grace and know the fact and, and not really set that pressure of, you know, I have to be there by this amount. As long as you are moving forward in the right direction, give yourself the grace and the time to say, well, I'll get there when I get there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'll get there when I get there. For sure. Yeah, subhanAllah. Uh, there's this quote that I really love by, um, I'm forgetting, I always forgot, do I forget his name? I forget I forget his name, but he, uh, uh, Earl Nightingale. And uh, the quote is the following. I'm going to share this with our audience. Uh, the, he says, success is, um, is not, you know, arriving somewhere or to a certain destination, but, is, but it is rather the act of working towards a noble objective or a noble cause, right? Yeah. So as long as you are working towards a noble objective with your business or whatever it is you're doing, you are already successful. A lot of people think to themselves, I'm only going to be a success when I get to this amount or when I'm making this much or when I have this many clients, but they don't realize that as long as you are already on that pursuit, you're already, you just taken the first step to go down that path. 
you are already a success, my friend. Look yourself in the mirror and pat yourself on the back. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, shout out. All right. So where can people go and connect with you? You know, they've heard my voice enough on this podcast. I think I talked too much here. So um, where can people go to sign up to your program and learn more about you? What it is that you offer, The Healthy Muslim? Uh, we're for sure going to put all those links in the comments description. Um, yeah, let's tell our listeners, where should, where should they go, inshallah? For sure. So our website is thehealthymuslims.com. Okay. Uh, and so on that website, you can find, you know, a, a wealth of information. So we have recipes, we have nutrition information, we have fitness information. Uh, and there's also a page, a coaching page, if you are interested in working with us one on one, um, you can definitely sign up, we do um, the it's an application process. So we want to make sure we get to know you and make sure it's a good fit. So you can definitely okay. apply um, on if you're on social media, um, on Instagram, you can find me at nutrition by Naz. Uh, my husband is stronger with Bilal. Uh, and then on Facebook, you can find us at the healthy Muslims. All right, beautiful. So we'll make sure to put all those links in the episode notes, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, guys, look in the description or episode notes and you'll see the links there, inshallah, where you can click them to be able to go to those places and support uh, Naz and her spouse, Bilal, uh, as the healthy Muslims, as they go through this journey of helping Muslims live healthier lives, inshallah. Let's give them some support, some support and some love. Uh, make sure to go and follow them on their social media. And Jazakallah uh, for joining me today, uh, Sister Nazima. It was honestly a, a really fun podcast, a great conversation. Uh, and I'm sure that our listeners learned a lot. I know I did. So Jazakallah for that. Really appreciate it. Jazakallah khair for having me. I'm glad we finally you know, made it happen. And inshallah, yes. I hope to stay connected. <laughs> inshallah ta'ala, definitely. And guys, you know the drill. If you enjoyed this episode, just go ahead and give, leave us a rating and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And make sure to follow us as well on your favorite social platform. Just search Omarpreneur. And if you'd like help with your business, there will be a link also in the description or episode notes to book a call with my team where we can speak to you and understand what is your business, how can we help you, what your goals are. And if it makes sense for us to work together, we'll offer you that as well on that call, inshallah. And until then, we'll see you next episode. Assalamu alaikum.